Good morning. This is the weekly wrap for Saturday, April 29th. We start with the macro picture, that is uh, inflation. We did get another reading on Friday. This time it was the PCE, the personal consumption expenditure. That did come down uh, to 4.2% from the last reading of 5%. The core component of that was a touch higher than expected. Um, so it looks like the market uh, is expecting and pricing in uh, another rate hike in May. We've talked about this. It's now up to a 90% probability that they're going to raise rates a quarter of a point here in May. The stress that the Federal Reserve is putting on the banking system with these ultra-aggressive rate hikes in such a short period of time continues. Another bank on Friday went under. This is time it is First Republic. This will have been the fifth bank in the last 60 days that has gone under. And um, you know now the question is uh, how much of the deposits are secure. You know, if you remember, the FDIC only secures about 250000 per individual. Obviously, there are, you know, much larger amounts in this bank. Uh, but in order to avoid contagion, the FDIC is trying to construct a buyout of this bank that would secure all uh, creditors at, at all limits. So, uh, you know, this, again, the stresses on the system are uh, quite prevalent. But these are smaller and medium-sized banks. The large banks are really quite secure. Um, but again, it just highlights the nerves and the anxiety in the macro market. The Fed raising rates again in May keeps the dollar supported, even though technically it looks like it's getting pretty weak. Fundamentally, it's keeping the dollar relatively well supported. Uh, China news, uh, they continue to reopen. Uh, business is slowly returning back to normal. It's not leading to large-scale purchases of grains or commodities yet, um, but you know they're but they are recovering and business activity is relatively close to pre-COVID levels. And the thesis there is is that uh, over the next year or two, their demand structure will return back to normal. The Ukraine-Russian war, the third macro that we're following, continues to fester on. Uh, Russia hit. Uh, residential parts of Ukraine with some heavy bombing here just yesterday, uh, more casualties. Uh, there is fear of Ukrainian unilateral strike within Russia. That's the newest headline related to this. Uh, even though there isn't really much in the way of advancements on either side, the nerves and the anxiety related to this uh, continue to fester pushing uh, planted acres down in Ukraine, leading to reduced supplies coming out of Ukraine uh, over the you know coming few years. That will continue. The big news of the week in the corn market was cancellations by China. They had two very large announcements of cancellations of U.S. corn. That was the headline that supposedly got the market going uh, on a much lower trajectory very quickly. Um, Brazil came in cheaper. Argentina came in cheaper. Uh, their currencies continue to suffer greatly. But uh, U.S. lost its position uh, in the global market on competitiveness for exports. Uh, and that is the main reason uh, the market is attributing to the sell-off in the corn market. Soybeans, uh, Brazil basis continues to firm now. It seems to have found a low. Uh, it went all the way down to 190 under. It's now up 50 cents uh, to 140 under. So the logistics that have completely collapsed within Brazil, uh, putting pressure on their pricing structure, has rebounded. They are about 90, 95% harvested. So that too is starting to ease. 
And now that they've found a home, so to speak, for the beans, uh, I expect basis levels to continue to firm. Uh, Argentina's woes continue. Their currency is basically in complete collapse. Uh, restaurants within uh, Argentina have stopped posting prices because inflation is running at 100% per year. And so, you know, basically every, every time you print something, it's completely outdated. Uh, the reason why I'm highlighting this, this continues to bring into question Argentina's ability to buy beans. Remember, they've got 40 million metric tons of crushed capacity. Right now, the current estimates are running that they're only going to produce 20 million metric tons. So they're net short 20 million metric tons of beans. The market is just waving a magic wand over them saying that they will just go ahead and buy those beans. But that is easier said than done uh, when your currency is in free fall. So with that, that issue is uh, right now not the main focus of the market. Brazil is. Uh, but at some point, you know, the world is going to be thrown very short crush. Probably, you know, over the next three to four months when Brazil uh, gets done with their harvest, Argentina gets done with their harvest, we're going to have to refocus on global crush values. Um Reminding me that uh, how tight these global balance sheets are, the Rosario Grain Exchange lowered their soybean crop on uh, their beans in Argentina, now down to 22.5 million metric tons. The, remember, the U.S. government still at 27, so there are another 7 million metric tons of soybeans that have to come off the world balance sheet. On corn, uh, the current USDA estimate is at 37 million metric tons. Most of the trade is down to 30. So we still have another 7 million metric tons of corn to come off the global balance sheet. Regardless of what the Brazilian crop is, that does look good at the moment. Um, but again, it's, it's more about a logistics issue and their ability to move it that's going to put pressure on the market, not the overall balance sheet. I'll remind you that last year's corn production globally was 944 million metric tons. This year it's projected to be closer to 860 so that's some 84 million metric tons less corn year over year on the global balance sheet. But for some reason, uh, the USDA has decided to only lower the stocks by 9 million metric tons, the ending stocks. So they've implied uh, a massive collapse in production, but a moderate drop in ending stocks, which basically means severe demand rationing. Now we are seeing that with the feeding of rice uh, to animals in China, feeding of wheat. And we are doing some of that, uh, but are we doing enough? The answer is no. All you have to do is look at the board, the United States. The May-July inverse made a record high on Friday at 51 cents. It's very clear that we are you know, running out of corn here in the United States. Uh, even though Brazil and Argentina have some, they won't be there for very long, two, three months. And we'll get that supply cleaned up. Remember, these are logistical issues on moving the crop for South America. These are not, uh, this is not indicative of poor demand or excess supply. It is indicative of bad logistics and their inability to move this, uh, these crops in a timely manner. They basically have to puke them out in a very short period of time. The main headline uh, of the week was exports, um, excuse me, was uh, the managed money positions. They flipped very aggressively from long corn to now short. Uh, they sold some 65,000 contracts, uh, report over report. Uh, they probably sold another 40 uh, on Thursday and Friday. 
putting the net sales by managed money in one week some 100,000 contracts. They sold uh, more soybeans. They sold some 50,000 last week, probably another 20 or 30, putting the, sh the sales of beans of some 80 to 90,000 contracts. They sold another 10,000 contracts of wheat, and then they sold another 5,000 contracts of cotton. So the managed money is now record short 113,000 contracts of wheat. They're now short 20,000 cotton, 15,000 corn, but they're still slightly long soybeans. So you can talk about all the headlines you want, and you want to rationalize, rationalize this move based on fundamentals, but that is absolutely not what's going on. This is managed money puking out their positions once again, uh, heavy, heavy sales in a very short period of time that completely overwhelms the cash market and our ability to digest it. And so they're now back short, um, you know, and keeping keeping pressure on the market. Cotton uh, for export sales, we did have a good week. We sold 216,000 bales. We shipped 419,000 bales. That continues to support my thesis that ultimately the U.S. carryout is coming down to just around 3 million bales uh, on ending stocks. Uh, and that, you know, that'll put a lot of pressure on uh, next year's crop. Because if we're going to end up closer to 14 million bales on export sales uh, and 13 million on shipments, uh, we, we need to have a good crop again next year to maintain this level of export demand. But for right now, the managed money doesn't care. They're looking at the world differently. They're worried about a recession and all this banking crisis, and they want to be short cotton. Uh, we did sell some corn, but that was all completely offset by China cancellations. Beans, relatively small sales again. But again, you know, the cash market with the heavy inverse on the May-July reminds us that we just don't have the beans to sell. Uh, the basis levels internally in the United States did fall on corn, and they did fall on beans. So we did see some softening there. Um, but right now, technically, uh, it, the, the damage on the charts was pretty severe. We'll have a video out on Monday that will be a, a, a technical charts-only video that will come out on Monday. And it'll, it'll highlight the specifics of what we did on the market this last week. Uh, but that's, uh, that will come out on Monday. So going forward, what are we looking at? <clears throat> you know, the next issue will be the USDA report that comes out on May 12th. They will give us their first round of estimates on next year's crop size. That will, of course, include, you know, record high yield estimates. That's always their first estimate. They come out with, you know, trend line or above yield estimates to make these balance sheets seem healthy. Uh, we will then track U.S. weather that has still been somewhat problematic we are getting rains in the high plains of Texas. Lubbock South seems to be missing it for the most part. Um, it's relatively cold across the east and the Midwest. So we are getting the crop in in a timely manner. Uh, it is supposed to warm up and dry up in the Midwest over the next two weeks. So we should get this crop in in a timely manner. So nothing in the weather markets uh, to talk about for planting delays. Um, and so that those will be the main features of the market over the next two weeks. And then we'll still have continued bouts of managed money speculators and their nerves in this market. Um, the you know, U.S. balance sheet remains very tight on corn and on beans and getting tighter on cotton. We are sitting on a record short position on wheat by managed money. 
the largest ever for this time of year when you take into consideration Chicago and uh, Matif, the, the, the European wheat contract. So managed money has completely gone off the deep end on this short position that continues to pressure this market. Um, you've got um, you know this weather market coming and you've got a fund short going into planting, going into the summer where normally you've got managed money long. They're now short. Uh, I add up all of this with you know the record tight uh, global balance sheets and I'm expecting severe volatility this summer. Uh, we're not rationing demand. We have no understanding of what the weather is going to be uh, going forward. We still have this negative PDO, which is the Pacific Decatur Oscillator, <clears throat> sitting out on the West Coast. Uh, many weathermen still believe we're going to transition from this La Nina to an El Nino in a timely manner and everything will be fine. But this, this cool water off California continues to sit there. If it stays there in the next 30 or 45 days, it will lead to uh, a weather pattern relatively similar to what we saw last year where we have a very dry western corn belt and west texas if for some reason it shifts just a little bit and we get cooler waters there and off the east coast that will lead to an extreme drought in the upper midwest so we have obviously three very wide uh, weather models that lead to you know big swings in production estimates uh, we could have a normal year, we could have a slightly dry year, or we could have a record dry year. There is, at this point, no way to know how this model is going to shape up. From a marketing perspective, <clears throat> none of my views have changed. I still expect some summer volatility that's going to get old crop corn back to $7. Beans, back to $16. Wheat, <clears throat> back to that 9 to $10 level. $9 in Chicago, $10 in KC. And cotton, $0.90. Cents. What would change that, <clears throat> of course, would be the aggression with which the managed money decides to extend their shorts. If they want to stay short this market all the way through the summer, through the weather market, that might limit the upside but create a far more explosive new crop. For new crop, our valuations are still looking for that uh, volatility to, in corn to get us back to six six fifty on December, fourteen to fifteen dollar uh, November soybeans. 9 to $10 wheat. If we get rain in West Texas and muddle along with a 25% abandonment, we're going to expect 80 to 90 cents on new crop cotton. If we don't get rain in West Texas and end up with an abandonment above 25%, I would expect cotton prices to bounce closer between 90 cents and a dollar. So that's the update. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. These are my opinions and not those of ADM or ADMIS.